0: So we just wanted to show you the finished product, so anyway Thanks, thanks. Um, yeah, so uh Pete was Pete was talking to me you said there's a there's like a movie night. when's the movie night <laughs> a, a movie night when you get home, like with Lynn yeah? And, uh, Did I just ruin something? (laughs) I saw The Exorcist when I was in, um, I think it was seventh grade, and I had the worst week of my life after that. So what happened was, um, I was not allowed to see it, and my friends, the Fosses, they, they were triplets, the skinniest guys you've ever met, and like they would go to McDonald's, and they would they would order like three Big Macs each and everything. And anyway, anyway, they, they invited me and um, we got into their, their station wagon. Their older brother was driving and we hid underneath the seats and snuck into the drive-in theater that way. And, um, and I remember about a quarter way through the movie, I got into the back of the station wagon and I was covering my ears and lying curled up in a fetal position. Like I was so freaked out by that movie, and um, that week, like, I could not sleep, and my mom is like, what, what's wrong, honey? I was like, oh, I knew it. She's like, she's like, what's wrong, honey? And I was like, I was watching the commercial of The Exorcist, and it scared me, I couldn't tell her I saw the movie, but it just so freaked me out. But I was I was thinking about that, and I I thought about um, if, if you've heard of the mark of the beast, right? Anybody know the mark of the devil? What the mark of the devil is? Anybody know? What is it? Six six six. It's that number six six six. The mark of the devil. It appears in the book of Revelation, and um. And it says something very interesting in the book of Revelation. This is, this is actually going to relate to what we're talking about tonight. I know you're thinking, where is this guy going? But um, it says the beast comes out of the earth and, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. And then it says, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. So they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name think about it it's the number of the name of the beast this calls for wisdom let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of man sometimes translated of humanity that number is 666 so over the years i have heard all kinds of people talking about that number and how where does it when does it show up in history how does it how do people get the mark and you know, people say, oh, well, it's, it's, it's going to be related to the credit system and eventually we won't have credit cards and they're going to put a chip like in your forehead or on, on, um, on your wrist. Or now some people are saying COVID, the vaccinations, all right? They've made these little chips that they've got floating around in the liquid and they're injecting you and that's how the mark of the beast is getting in. There are people saying that kind of stuff, right? There's always somebody trying to figure out what the mark of the beast is. But the Bible actually gives us some pretty substantial clues because the Bible is into numbers. Three is the number of what? The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Twelve is the number of what? The tribes of Israel. How many apostles were there? Twelve. Jesus deliberately chooses twelve. Why? Because he's saying, I'm, I'm birthing a new Israel. 40 what's 40 the number of pardon purification I, I think that's very good tribulation purification uh, rains for 40 days and 40 nights um, Moses is in the wilderness for 40 years and uh, and then he's called to uh, deliver the people they then wander in the wilderness for 40 years it's in the Bible it's a period of preparation getting your your soul your body your your spirit right for the Lord. Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness before starting His ministry. Very significant. Numbers are very significant. There's also a number, seven. Seven represents holiness. Seven is considered in the Bible the number of, per- of perfection. In um, In Revelation, it talks about the sevenfold spirit of God, or the seven spirits of God. But it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And what it's saying is the Holy Spirit is perfect in His ministry to and through the churches. Because it says, let the the people hear what the Spirit says to the churches. But we see the number seven first, where? In Genesis, in the book of Genesis. When God the artist... And if you read um, Genesis chapter 1, it's a song, folks. God said, let there be light. And there was light and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, it was good. And then the second day and, uh, and God does his thing and he creates the, the heavens and the earth and there was morning and there was evening and it was good. So you hear the refrain of the song after each day of creation, God's creating the birds and the plants and the vegetation and the seas and every time it says, and it was good. Six days and on the sixth day, he creates man, woman, woman. Male and female, he created them. In his image, cre- created he them. And he said, it was good. And then on the seventh day, what happens? He said that God rested from his work. God stepped back. He he looked at what he had created, right? And I know this as an artist. You you step back and you look and you go, Ah, or you go, gosh, I need to fix that little, you know, whatever. But but when you're finally done, you look and you say, ah, and you take pleasure in it. That's what God is doing on the seventh day. He rested. The seventh day, the Sabbath, was intended for rest and recreation and restoration and, and rejoicing. Seven is a very significant number. So let's get back to the Mark of the Beast. Six, six, six. When was man created? What day? On the sixth day. What was God doing for six days? He was working. He was working. He was creating everything. On the seventh day, He rests from His work. Do you know only one time in the Bible um, is God said to be holy, holy, holy. It says it three times. No, no other place is anything repeated three times. It never says God is love, love, love. Um, uh, God is, you know, wise, wise, wise. But It says God is holy, holy, holy. And the reason is, in the Hebrew Scriptures, there was no word for very. There was no word for extremely. If you wanted to, to say something, like you really enjoyed a meal, you say, good, good. You say it twice. But to say something three times, that was to emphasize it to the maximum. God is holy, holy, holy. Six, six, six. It's the number of man to the extreme. That when it talks about the mark of the beast, it says it's not the number of the beast. It's the number of man, of humanity to the extreme of humanity never completed. Humanity never at rest. Humanity never fully rejoicing. Never entering into the life of the God who created them, male and female, in His image. It's humanity saying, I will work for my image. I will build My image. I will fight to protect my image. Six, six, six. I'll do it to the extreme. It is the pride of humanity that is the mark of the beast and the utter rejection of God and what is holy. So, all that got me thinking from the exorcist, right? We get freaked out about the demonic and all that, but. We can live the demonic so easily. We can fall into the demonic without even realizing it. So that's why something like what you're doing here is so amazing and so good, and um, it, it's us let's, let's break the pattern. Let's step into God's image for us and what God has for us. So with that, what I, I want to do is have us say of the 23rd Psalm again and, um, and contemplate it. And I'm going um, to, in the meantime, take this one down because we're going to be working on something different. And let's say it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I don't know where that last line went, but y'all got it pretty well. That's good. Father, we ask now that you would um, guide the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts. That they would be not only acceptable in your sight, but pleasing. They would give you reason to rejoice um, in the creation that you have made in your people. So we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Oh, and I just lost, there we go. Um, He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Um. I don't know about you, but I don't always like, and we can, we can bring this up now, I don't always like for somebody to make me do something, right? I don't always like for somebody to make me do something, but sometimes it's needed. I got a, I got a call from my wife today, and uh, she said that um, our maintenance light came on in our Honda, and it's like, okay, yeah, the Honda's trying to make me pay attention to it. It's it got 173,000 miles on it, so I, I better pay attention. And I called the mechanic to, you know, talk through what do we need to do, and we're going to bring it in. She's going to bring it in tomorrow and everything. Um, but there are certain things that, that are lined up, up in life to make you take notice and take response. But here it says that the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Because somebody needs to make us take a rest every now and then. Um, And we don't always do that too well, do we? Anybody here ever have trouble kind of resting? You need somebody maybe sometimes to intervene in your life and say, Hey, come on, it's, it's time to chill. Jesus, if you read the Gospels, he's always doing something counterintuitive, isn't he? You know, like people want to be great, and he says, You you got to become the servant of all. Um, People want to deal with the most important people. He said, You need to become like this little child here. Um, He's healing people, and the, the next day, like everybody's looking for him and they can't find him. Where is he? He's praying. And when his disciples finally find him, they say, Master, everybody's looking for you. What does he say? Come, let's go to the next towns because I've come for all the lost sheep of Israel. And then other times when he seems to be just kind of at the height of his power and influence, he says, come on, come away. Come rest. And he takes his disciples aside to settle down. Um, that is a big part of what it means to follow the Lord. It means to have such a, a an ear and a heart that He can actually be Lord in your life and say, hey, it's time to stop, to settle down. Because too often we're, we're in the humanity thing. Work, work, work. Achieve, achieve, achieve. And what we really need to do is stop and rest. Um, so I'll give you an example. So I told you guys we're we're planting a church. Somebody asked me, "What is that? Planting a church?" And and I, I described it to him, and he said, "Oh, well, up here we just say we're starting a new church." Okay, <laughs> so we're starting a new church. Well, it is it's unbelievable amount of work. It's crazy, like. I'm doing everything now like that I never used to have to do, running all the copies and, and um, doing website and all this sort of stuff. And Bit by bit, I'm starting to hand stuff off, you know. But I, I'm always trying to think, what's next? And what's, what, what do we have to do next? And, and one thing that my wife and I decided after leading a, a fairly decent-sized church, you know, and with all the hustle and bustle that that was about, and with all the talent that we had surrounding us, um, it was always very easy to stop at six, right? To say, wow, you are talented. You, you're, you're so good in your field, and you're the best at that. And, oh, you speak so well. And to, to elevate people because of their talents, their gifts, and their abilities, and then to rely on those talents, gifts, and abilities, and never make it to the seven where you're resting, and the seven where you're looking for the perfection of God, and you're really listening for His voice to say, Lord, which way do you want us to go? Not which way do we think we can handle the best, right? But which way do you want us to go? And so coming out of, of that, um, that position when I resigned it was actually kind of a real painful period in my life. Um, and I entered into what I would call a 40-day period. It was longer than 40 days. It was a sabbatical in a sense. And during that time, my wife and I said, what have we done right in the past? What have we done wrong? And what dreams and passions has God given us that we've not realized? And should the Lord call us to another church or whatever, can we take everything we've learned, both good and bad, and begin to apply it in a new setting. And it seemed like that's what God was saying. And so we said, all right, God, we want to do what you want. Not what we think is best and not what we're most naturally gifted and capable of, but what you want. We want to hear your voice. And so two examples. One was um, a friend of mine who planted a church. I asked him what was one thing he would tell me um, if I'm planning a church, I ought to do. And he said, never start something you can't sustain. I was like, that's great. That's, that's good. And um, I think that's a best practice, you know. So I, I put that in the back of my mind. Well, all of a sudden, we started getting some teenagers coming to the church um, as, as we're getting our launch team together. And I had this nagging sense that we were supposed to do something with the teenagers. And I was like, Lord, we can't sustain a youth ministry. Like, we just don't have the numbers or the people. And I got the sense that God was saying, I don't care. I want you to do something for these kids. I'm not asking you to start a youth ministry. I want you to do something for them. So I was like, all right. So I put best practice aside, and we put together a little event in the park with the kids. And it just felt like God's Holy Spirit was all over it. And while it's happening, I'm talking with this mom who's been disconnected from church for years, and her daughter's attending this thing, and she's talking with me, and she's like, what, what are you guys doing? And she's, she and her family have started to come now, and they've invited another family who started to come, and their daughter was at that thing as well. And you know, I, I, and I, now God's getting the credit. Like, it's not because I'm this great youth minister or something. It's like, thank you, God. So, so um, getting ready for this camp, my daughter's getting married September 11th, we were going to launch the church, like do an official launch, like official launch of the church on September 12th, and so she's, she chooses September 11th, and I'm like, oh great, so all right, all right, we'll put it in September 18th, and I'm talking about how we're going to have this official launch, and, and, and we're doing little kids camp when I get back, by the way, and my wife says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you talking about this launch? You're going you're gonna to drive everybody crazy. You're going to drive yourself crazy. And it's like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. You don't need to launch. You've already got people coming. Like, and then one of our ladies said, yeah, you know, roots of a tree, and the name of our church is Tree of Life. She said, the roots of a tree grow slowly if they're going to grow deep. It's like, yeah. It's like God was saying, I, I don't want you to build the way you've built in the past. I want you to enter into my rest. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. So here I'm trying to depict, if I'll ever get to it, but try, trying to depict a um, a shepherd with his sheep, taking them to green pastures. And I love the relaxed pose. He's not going anywhere. He's taking in the view. He didn't have to pay anything for the view. Just had to be out there with his sheep. So he makes me lie down in green pastures. Um, What do you picture when you think of green pastures? Think about just green pastures for a moment. I think of Ireland, right? Anybody been to Ireland? Just this lush, verdant, green. Um, But in Israel, the green pastures were were not quite like that. Um, The green pastures were oftentimes um, just the rocky places with just little bits little bits of vegetation and so the shepherd had to find had to find these green pastures this was not like some big field that he would bring his sheep to but rather he'd scour the countryside and he'd look among the rocks and wherever The rains and moisture had gone. That's where he would lead his sheep. But what that tells me is that the Lord knows, he knows where to find the sustenance that we need for the day. He knows where we need to find what we need for our lives at the proper time. We live in a country that basically says, get everything that you can, get everything settled for your future, get everything right, and and make sure that it's an overabundance, that it's a lush field, so you know you're going to be all right. And God says, you're going to be all right. I will take care of you if you'll follow my leading. You may not make as much money if you follow my leading. You may not achieve as much in the eyes of the world if you follow my leading but what you will have is always what you need for the depths of your soul he leads me he leads me to lie down in green pastures beside the quiet waters he refreshes my soul that's what the world cannot give the world cannot give what only God can give. And we cannot receive what God wants to give if we will not rest, if we will not enter into the seven. So um, <clears throat> so Jesus, as he's moving towards what's going to be his crucifixion, tells his disciples what's going to happen. But before that, he had asked them, Who do you say that I am? Some people said, oh, Jesus, you're John the Baptist. Uh, Others come back from the dead. Others says you're Elijah. Um, Others are saying all kinds of stuff. But who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for this was revealed to you by God, not by men. And I tell you, you are the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. It's a pretty great moment, right? If I was Peter, I'd be like, yes! Get what happens next. Then he starts to tell them about how he must go to Jerusalem, where he's going to be betrayed, handed over into the the hands of his enemies. He's going to be mocked, tortured, crucified, and killed. What does Peter do? He says, no way. Not on my watch, Lord. This will never happen. And Jesus says to Peter, as all the other disciples are watching, get behind me, Satan. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Peter, you're stuck in the sixes. It is God's plan for me to enter so fully into the life of man that I go down into the death of man. That all of man's achievements bought by blood and toil and sweat, all of man's hatreds and murders and everything, I am taking on myself on the cross and I'm going down into death where I will rest. But three days later, I'll rise from the dead. And that's what Jesus did. And established a new day. A new day. He rose on Sunday, which was considered the first day of the week. He establishes this new day to say, now there's a new way forward. There is an eighth day now, where a new creation has begun. Where everyone who believes in me can enter into my rest forever. A retreat like this, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. It's the opportunity to say, Lord, show me what it is to rest in you more deeply, more truly. Show me what it is to be led by you, by the Spirit of God, so that my life is no longer about the things of man, but the things of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Father, I pray that tonight as as we move into small groups, that those seeds of restoration would be planted. That for any who are weary in any way, they will feel your refreshment. That we would learn even more what it is to enter into that rest with you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for that time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks. Thanks.